Welcome to Adjust Your Life, an integrative health podcast about you and your overall wellness with Dr. Tim Dooley and Dr. Patrick O'Brien. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello and welcome to the Adjust Your Life podcast. Uh, we all appreciate you guys tuning in to listen. And for the future, make sure to subscribe and so you never miss any future episodes that we do put together. Um, during today, we're going to talk about a wide range of topics on this show because health always comes in many different forms. And today is an important one as we navigate these unprecedented times with you know, with the quarantine, the social distancing, and the whole COVID-19 aspect. So uh, to help us break down this topic, we have invited um, Pastor Greg Delaney with us today. He is a current outreach coordinator at Woodhaven, uh, Dayton's Inpatient Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Delaney. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. And also with me is my partner, Dr. Tim Dooley. I'm here too. Hey, guys. All right, so I think the, the we're going to kind of just just jump right in here. I will uh, we're, we're going to ask some questions, but why don't I have you start off just maybe quick background? I know it says you're the outreach co- outreach coordinator, maybe quick uh, you know spiel about what what your job is, what your history is, and then we'll kind of go into some questions. Yeah, sure, sure. Again, thank you so much for for having me in. Um, well, I, as you mentioned, I'm outreach coordinator at Woodhaven. What that what that means is we actually serve the entire state of Ohio, uh, serving folks that are dealing with alcohol and drug issues, substance use disorder. Uh, we are a residential inpatient facility, so really my job is to really communicate to the public of what we have available and helping folks to get in there. Uh, actually, got into this line of work, if you will, or this ministry for me uh, after a long battle with substance use myself. Um, about 15, 16 years of uh, heavy uh, alcoholism, um, addiction to benzodiazepine. And I nearly lost my life in 2008 uh, to, uh, to my addiction. And so uh, after a lot of stints in rehab, it was finally a, a pastoral uh, visit from a fellow in, in Xenia, Ohio, that had actually been through it himself. And he really encouraged me to be able to see life in the, in the windshield and take what I had you know, had been doing really in, in a previous life of networking people and connecting folks to help, um, you know, I could do it in this particular context. And so uh, that, that brought me into the ministry. I was ordained into the ministry in 2009 and have been working kind of between um, both sides of the uh, recovery spectrum, both on the traditional secular community-based recovery efforts as well as those from the faith-based community. And so obviously tons of experience. Um, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And that kind of gives you a leg up on a lot of, you know, how I would try to help these patients or individuals talk through this versus you with experience in the past. I'm sure that obviously gives you quite the advantage. I think let's, let's maybe go into the whole COVID-19, the quarantine, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Obviously it's a weird time right now. A lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, we're hearing more about mental health types of issues, depression, anxiety associated with isolation. Um, you know, in a fact that I'm going to give a little stat here in a fact that from a CDC survey just came out states that approximately 41% of respondents are struggling because of this pandemic. Um, is this, you're seeing an increase in this? Would you agree with that? Why do you think that is? Maybe we go into that. Yeah. Um, you know, what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, really we are creatures of connection and when those connections were interrupted, when our ability to, to just be in fellowship was restricted, um, the fallout of that has been uh, very real, very quantifiable, palpable. Um, 
quite a quite a uh, rise in addiction, quite a rise in depression, quite a rise in anxiety. In fact, uh, one survey that was recently uh, published about the impact of COVID nineteen. Uh, on mental health and addiction had made the comment that they were anticipating an additional 75,000 deaths due to despair Jeez. in the United States as a result of COVID isolation. Despair. despair. Okay. And so they were, they were incorporating overdose and suicide into that. Um, in fact, some of the suicide rates that have increased, and it's kind of, a, it's kind of the thing that no one's talking about. Uh, we actually call this, uh, you know, the, the continued mental health and addiction challenge, you know, inside COVID-19 is an epidemic within the pandemic. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And, um, and what we're actually seeing is some of the suicide numbers actually going over and above percentage wise as were experienced during the great depression. So, uh, definitely, a you know, a crisis in our community that again, it's not getting much, uh, right. much, uh, time on the, on the news or anything as they're focused so heavily on COVID-19. Right. And I was thinking about it the other day. You know, these numbers we just discussed, the 41% are struggling. What about today's youth? we got school coming up. Uh, you know, they're going to be, their parents are working in their home. Are, are, are you seeing more youth involved with this? You know, if, especially if school doesn't go back and in the whole bit there. I don't know. Is it mostly adults or is it youth as well? No, youth as well. I mean, whenever we have such a disruption, in in you know the normal pattern mm -hmm. of life and, and and some of the other things that have been taken from the kids i'll, I'll speak to it from a personal uh, perspective my yeah. son uh, was a senior last year uh -huh. at senior high school um he uh was scheduled to be the lead in the play that they were getting ready to do he's gonna be shrek mm. um he was also scheduled to go uh to disney world for a chemistry club you know trip at in in may uh, no graduation, no parties, and um, my son pretty well adjusted kid, getting ready to go to Ohio State here, mm -hmm. in fact, next week. But um, in, in sitting down and talking to him, uh, he started to have some panic attacks, uh, suffering from some anxiety issues, um, actually trying to cope with it a little bit with food. Um, and, and he would, he would tell you this, it's not something that he would, he would keep secret because he wants to get out in front of it, but we actually have been helping him with some counseling just to the impact that he had. And he was a part of a, uh, you know, a group of boys like, you know, we all were when we were in school and, and you could see little bits and pieces within each of them of how it's impacted them negatively. And so, you know, we don't work too much with adolescents at Woodhaven, but right. we do a lot of uh, prevention work and, and we're seeing some of those conversations with those preventionists of having to kind of up their game a little bit when it comes to the mental health issues in addition to trying to, you know, ward off any potential drug use. We're, they're having those conversations because of the, you know, the disconnection that the kids were feeling. It, my son actually described it as grieving. Mm -hmm. it, it was it was a it was a feeling of loss and so and he right. and he doesn't have a place to go get angry how do, I, I can't I can't find a villain where where's yeah, the this villain is, this has yeah. never happened it's this is just the most uncharted territory I, I i just feel terrible for like you just said that situation seniors um don't get to get that experience that we all got to go through prom and in graduation and things like this mm -hmm. so it's that is just it's just it's, it's supposed it's to be some crazy. of the best times of your life you know we're Absolutely. at that age where we realize it now maybe we didn't realize it then but right. you do so, but then we're just hoping there's no long-term effects. Right. Yeah, and and I think you know is because we're sensitive to it in my house and 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 making sure that we got him the care that he needed. But I would encourage any parent if you're seeing, you know, them hanging out in the in the room mm -hmm. more than more than they normally do, isolating themselves, 
being a little down, depressed, you know, there, there's good help out here in Montgomery County for that sort of thing. For yeah, kids. Where would you suggest adolescents go if, if they needed counseling or help? Well, I think, um, you know, we started with um, uh, TCN Behavioral Services uh, is, is here in Woodman Drive. It's also in Greene County, uh, mm-hmm. Haven Behavioral Health. But if you're really looking, uh, there's a great organization called NAMI. N-A-M-I. Um, we have a great branch of them in the Springfield area. They can be reached, but they are your advocacy organization for mental health. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, just with a call into them, they're kind of the connector. And so if you think you or your, your uh, child might need some help, starting there is a great place to start. I, I, I knew where to take you in just from what I do, but uh, that's a great place to get connected. What about uh, as, a, as a parent? Did you notice your son with these behaviors or did you have to ask him? Because kids, they like to keep it. I think the most of them like to hide it. Would that be accurate? I don't yeah. know. I guess I noticed it from just the uh, ramp up in the way that he was eating. I mean, oh, okay. I, and I saw I saw it as the response to something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and he had actually, something had happened and I had texted him and it wasn't like I was angry with him, but we were just like, hey, why didn't you get this done kind of thing. And when I got home, mm-hmm. I just came into the room and said, hey, did you get that done? And he turned around, just tears flowing down his face. And he's like, Dad, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know what's going on with me. I, yeah. You know, I'm just having these panic attacks. And, and I said, okay, there's nothing to be ashamed about that. Right. Let's, let's go to work on that. So it was a kind, of, kind of a combination of both. So as a parent, be attentive to any behavioral change, yep. any response change anything that's going on. And obviously, you, like, you're the expert. You can see those signs quicker than maybe some parents would be able mm-hmm. to detect. So... With that being said, you are addressing that he's a senior, you know, he's, he's able to articulate his feelings and things like this, but with the parents who can't catch this, um, would you expect, because you, you know, you specialize in substance abuse, would you, was, was there any like expectation as far as this whole COVID-19 and maybe like six months from now, a year from now, you see some sort of increase in substance abuse from maybe youth or even older, other individuals that haven't shown those symptoms yet, maybe, or I don't know. Well, what we were already anticipating, and I was just on a call yesterday, so um, the state of Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services team is is anticipating what we're calling the surge. And yeah. and as a result, they have put together a, a task force of, of individuals and experts from across the state uh, really to say, okay, how do we begin to prep for that? Now, we, we kind of got started a little bit first off with substance use and so you know how do we increase the availability of naloxone and some other things that you know opioid overdose reversing drug but uh yeah there's no doubt that we're going to see more of this and and more challenge and and part of it is if you really take a look at substance use uh, particularly you know there's a great saying in 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 our in our industry in our business that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety the opposite of addiction is connection and there's some great studies about the importance of connection when it comes to to this challenge and one of the unintended consequences i think of all of the shutdown and all of this not being able to gather and no aa meetings and na meetings and other meetings we saw folks that really that was such a rock to their ongoing recovery or you know to them to them staying uh you know whether it's sober or doing well that when that was taken away, it really was devastating. And, and so when you take a look at opioid addiction in, in particular, uh, it is a disease of isolation, and it requires a community response. And then suddenly I don't have a community response, or I don't Got have it. a community place yep. to go. Absolutely. And sadly, um, we, we have what we call recovery community organizations that dot all around the state of Ohio. We have 11 of them. And uh, often they are... Um, 
you know, they're staffed and, and uh, by folks who are in recovery. And, and oftentimes someone who's got a long pattern of recovery, year, two years where they've been, you know, doing well. And over the course of about a 10-day window, uh, right in the middle of the height of the COVID kind of shutdown, we actually lost an employee in Portage County, an employee in Medina County, and um, an employee in the Finley area, Hancock really? County, two overdose. Oh, my goodness. And these were all folks that had long-standing, long histories of recovery. But when that fellowship was taken away, when that connection was taken away, they didn't know what to do. And, uh, and so that, you know, in a little microcosm of what we've seen just in those three areas, that, that's, that's what we're anticipating more of with the surge now that, uh, now that we're kind of getting, you know, opening back up and whatnot. Yeah. Sure. Where, where are these places right now? Are we open now? Can we gather now in most of these uh, outreach communities, or is it still closed? Yeah, I mean, what we've a, seen, a num- yeah, I mean, number. like um, your, your traditional AA and NA meetings are starting to meet, you okay. know, live. Uh, you know, we still have the, the groups of 10 requirements, so a lot of folks have, have mm-hmm. a, adjusted to that. A lot of our faith-based meetings uh, came back online once the churches were allowed to come back online. So the attendance at some of those things, like Celebrate Recovery and others, because they're housed in a church, have, have been, you know, uh, bigger just because it's a faith meeting. Um, but, yeah, some of, most of that's coming back online. During the, the height of the, the quarantine, you know, we really got creative and, and did a lot of Zoom meetings. There was a lot of Zoom recovery going on. But again, it just kind of wasn't the same. And, and what was interesting in some of the conversations when there looked like we might, you know, shut things down again, uh, the anxiety level within the recovery community went through the roof because yeah. they were like, I'm really tired of Zoom. Zoom was okay for a minute, but it's not what I need long term. So the good news is, is that, yeah, fellowships are back together and, and folks are able to get the help that they need and, and, and be able to, to link up, you know, together. Okay. And, and we've seen some really creative things like in, in the case of Medina, um, they were doing drive through recovery. So, <laughs> so they had peers and folks that, okay, I pull in and I stay my six feet and we just talk out of the car or, yeah. you know, stopping by. So the, the one thing about our, our folks who support and our folks who are dealing with substance use disorder, there's a lot of creativity there. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, because they have just a heart to help because most of them have been where they are. Hmm. Uh, you have a question? No, I, I always guess but the biggest thing is, you know, let's say someone who's listening to this is debating on going to a meeting or is is, is having an issue or um, maybe doesn't even realize they have an issue and maybe we need to find a way to kind of help exploit that. I mean, what for, for the listeners on this show right now um, – that maybe that think they may have a problem. What's the first step? Like if what's if they're listening to it right off, right done with listening to this podcast. What's the next thing that they want to get, take initiative to go seek help? Mm-hmm. What's the number one thing? Where will they start? I guess. Well, here in Montgomery County, we're very fortunate in that our uh, Adamus Board, that's the adult, that's the addiction, you know, and mental health services group that's here. Um, they have an app that you can download on your phone. It's called Get Help Now. Oh, wow. It's a it's a very robust app. So if you just go out to your Google Store, or your you know whatever on your iPhone, um, that that app coming down, it it immediately starts to give you direction, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm needing some help, or I think I need help," and then based on some of the criteria, it'll point you in the right direction. Um, like all healthcare, uh, a lot of the the work and where you can go is insurance driven. So there are providers that you know specialize in different kinds of things at Woodhaven in particular where I, I work we serve the Medicaid population and we serve all you know all flavors of that so I think if somebody was looking for that immediate help that's a good place to go 
another another thing to to think about is um you know we we're very fortunate here in montgomery county as well that our, our faith community has some good understanding and you can go into your church and often you may find someone that can help you you know find your you know find your way to 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 help um but uh and you can always go out to the adamus website it's a d a m h s adamus website and that has some fantastic resources in addition to the app where you can begin to get some guidance for you or your loved one. I think that's great that help. they have an app and the I online did, I did not form. Know that. I didn't know that because you got to think when you think you might have a problem, you're not going to run tell anybody right away, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then if you have a way to do it discreetly or without being face-to-face, I think you have a greater chance of capturing that person, right? Yeah, one of the things that, that's sad is that um, stigma – around substance use disorder, which is uh, a chronic relapsing brain issue. It's not a moral failing. Um, sadly, uh, stigma continues to be the number one challenge in yeah. terms of people seeking assistance. Got it. And uh, one of the things is only one out of 10 folks who are dealing with this will seek assistance, and often it's due to stigma. They'll one stay out of 10? Suffering. Yep. Really? Oh, my gosh. And um, That's lower than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's in fact, I, I just did a, a webinar on stigma earlier this week, and uh, when Recovery Ohio convened, it was actually Governor DeWine's, one of his very first initiatives after he was sworn in was to create Recovery Ohio, and that's a task force of a, a lot of different folks, lawyers and doctors, and I'm the faith guy on there and some other things. But when we got done kind of saying, okay, what were the top priorities for the recovery community in Ohio, you know, going forward in, in Mr. DeWine's administration, uh, still number one was stigma. How do we reduce stigma? How do we begin to change the narrative as to what addiction is and what it isn't? Mm-hmm. And uh, especially from, from my standpoint, the faith community still struggles with it. But um, a lot of times folks will say, well, man, I, I can't let anybody know that I got this going on or, you know, what will my boss think or what, what will, sure. the, you know, my, you know, my dad, he may get, you know, so no. We, no you were right about that. There's definitely stigma. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned that one out of 10. How do you know or how do they know? How do you know if you have a problem? It's, you know, it's different than someone telling you you have a problem until you accept it. Right. So how do you know or when do you, you know, if, whether it's personal, whether it's speaking to a lot of these folks how do you how do they know i tell you it's difficult and i'll speak from my own personal experience you know one of the things that happens to most folks who are suffering with this is denial is huge for a lot of different reasons and so often you do need someone to to kind of at least um you know be a little bit of a you know mirror for you to say hey you know are you okay you know is everything all right because it's hard it's hard to admit that you've got a challenge um so so that's still you know, a, a problem out there. It's, it's hard, you know, but I think if you're noticing that, um, you know, what, what happens with, with substance use disorder, it actually, it attacks the kind of the survival center of the brain. And so, you know, as we use it, our, our desire to eat, drink, uh, procreate, have shelter, you know, find shelter and take care of our kids. Um, we call it the hijacker. And often when our brains start to get hijacked, we're not seeing it. We're not you know, kind of it's not cognizant. Tangible. It's not tangible, yeah, right? But yeah. others that are watching us are seeing yeah. it, you know, loved ones and whatnot. And I think the the key takeaway is if you as a loved one, you know, don't don't feel like you can't point it out. Now they may not admit to it, they may not want to seek help right off the jump, but go ahead and be persistent to say, look, some things are changing. I'm just concerned. Are you okay? 
you know, there's there's no shame in you know seeking some assistance and, and some help with this. So, you might get some combative nature with that too, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And fight back and. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just speak from experience today. I've got a dear friend, classmate. Um, he's same age as me, fifty five. Um, I was talking to his girlfriend today. He was in the parking lot of our hospital, um, drinking, uh, and debating whether or not to go in and get help. And we were having to convince him, you know, that you drinking in the parking lot of the hospital at eight in the morning should be evidence that we need to go get some help. Right. Yeah. And thankfully he's in there right now, but, but he wasn't, you know, that wasn't something that he was, he was seeing, uh, and how severe it was. So. Jeez. I have another question. Um, I have access here with a question mark. You know, we have access to opioids. Touch on that a little bit. But an interesting thing during COVID is they provide alcohol as a takeout yeah. from restaurants and bars. Isn't that interesting? I yeah, I, I found it really counterintuitive. Um, Can't we just go to the store and get it? Like, why do we need to? I know we want to support the bars and restaurants and whatnot, but... I don't know. I One of the other thoughts. things I really thought was interesting was that when we went to being closed at 10 o'clock, well, now you can take three home instead of two, which I was having oh a hard time goodness. with. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, oddly enough, the, you the know. Whole, the taking home thing, too, before we right. touch this thing. Aren't they going to just drink it in the car? Yeah. yeah. I imagine that's sitting right here on your whole way home. You're like, man, that looks good. Uh, I shouldn't have. Oh, my God. You know, what? what? Yeah, I I have not ever kind of other than what you said it was is a business decision right but i don't think again you know it's it's not thinking some of that all the way through as to you know what some folks might be dealing with with that I, one of the interesting stats that came out was that that friday after the kind of the first you know bar closure sure uh 460, gallons of liquor were sold in the state of ohio Oh my goodness! So I mean, people, yeah, people ran out and got, you know, got uh, got got the, got a pretty good supply. Um, and interestingly enough, when Pennsylvania, I don't know if you remember when we saw Governor Dewine have to do this, Pennsylvania had closed the liquor stores; they yeah. weren't essential, yeah. right? People were coming across the border to buy. You had to have an ID, and mm-hmm. then they weren't sell it to you in Ohio because they were flooding uh, the the border towns in Ohio to buy. Think, I figured they probably would, right? right? Uh huh. Yeah. Not that I obviously condone the the in, you know increased selling of the alcohol, but what if they deemed them not essential? I'm curious, and they shut down all liquor stores and all alcohol. They couldn't even get it. What about the people that currently are exhibiting that problem of, of addiction to it? Would that obviously would have been oh, would devastating? Be, yeah. Looking so for it's kind of, and I never really thought about that until later. So it's kind of like this makes sense, but then again, this side makes sense. So I, it's kind of strange. Yeah. There, there's a you know something out there that's called harm reduction, and you're seeing it being employed a little bit in San Francisco. Right, so San Francisco's homeless population, mm-hmm. and we're putting them in hotels, and we're providing them with drugs and alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't have the capacity to serve their issue. Got it. And you know, so yeah, it's 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 a funny, you know, it is. It's a weird balance, and you're like, uh, yeah, because you would, you you do have people that, you know, you know, sadly are waking up every morning and you know walking down to the local drive-through or or you know getting twelve pack of beer just to get the day started. Yeah, you know, that's that's a that's a reality. We, we actually saw when the pandemic first hit, we saw a, a decrease. We have at Woodhaven, um, really right now we can accommodate about 155 folks, men and women, in our facility. Um, we saw our numbers go down into the you know, 105, 106 range. And some of that was due as we had to adjust inside to all the telehealth kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, we're back up now to, I think we had 130, 132 in the house this, this morning. Um, in, in general, um, 
yeah, we, we're starting to see more folks come and seek, seek treatment. Uh, on the other side of it, um, we have seen a, a, an increase in overdose as well. Um, tracking, for example, April 2019 to April 2020, um, we're up about 20%, give or take, here in Montgomery County for overdose death. We were actually trending down since 18, since we put some of the things in. As a nation, we were up about 5% in tw 2019 over 2018. But Ohio was you know, starting to go in the right direction, and now we've seen this increase. When you go back and talk a little bit about um, the mental health piece, um, SAMHSA, which is our national substance abuse you know, uh, organization, um, they have a helpline, a text line in, mm -hmm. in D.C. And in 2019, their crisis line received about 2,000 hits in April of 2019. April of 2020, right in the middle of the, the heart of the mess, it was up over 20,000. Oh so a lot of people reaching out, trying to find help. And, uh, and so we've seen an increase in our, um, in our folks coming in. Okay. Um, I have a question about pain you know, physical pain. I mean, the majority of your folks who come in, are they, is it physical pain, mental pain? Do you have, do you? Speaking about like the opioids. Yeah, about like the opioids. Yeah. Well, how do they get on it first? Mm -hmm. And then, how do, you know, we get them off. You know, there's a, there's a doctor and I'll, I'll paraphrase the quote, uh, Gabor and it's M-A-T-E, Mati or Mate. I'm never quite mm -hmm. certain how to pronounce it, but he's a well-known addictionologist and, and he makes the statement that all addiction is rooted in pain. And is it pain from disconnection? Is it pain that's physical? Is mm -hmm. it pain from trauma? And um, there was a, another guy, Matthew Lieberman. He was a, kind of a research psychologist. And if you give me just a couple minutes, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. So he, um, he had, his grandparents, he observed them uh, as, you know, as a grandkid. And they were high school sweethearts and, and got married and had 50 years of awesome marriage. And they were this gregarious couple outgoing uh you know life of the the room all the time and then his grandfather passed away from prostate cancer and he watched his grandmother completely change a 180 and uh, so when his grandmother passed he had several people that asked him you know said i think your grandmother died of a broken heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so as this psychiatrist psychologist kind of guy he said you know i wonder if there's any merit to that and so he did a study where he started to take a look at what pain looked like in the brain and he put uh, three folks in each in their own MRI, and he began to scan their brain, and he had them playing a little game. And the little game was they passed a ball between the three of them. And somewhere in the middle of the game, they took one person out of the game. He wasn't going to get the ball anymore, and they just passed between two. And the one that wasn't getting the ball started to feel the rejection of that. Mm -hmm. And where that pain lit up, it lit up in the exact same place that the physical pain lit up. And so he came to the, you know, so his, his uh, what he surmised was that emotional pain, physical pain, social pain all kind of reside in the same place. And if you take that and you couple it with what Dr. Gaber Mati has, has surmised as well is that all addiction being pain related. Hmm. So people are looking to deal with something to, to calm the pain. And when I find these substances, often, you know, it could have started with physical pain. Um, so I got overprescribed or whatever, but often what we've seen is folks are also dealing with emotional pain and issues of that nature. And, oh, wow, this stuff helps that too. It's, you know, it's checking me out. I don't have to deal with that anymore. And so that's when kind of the, you know, the, the addiction is, is even advanced and, and, uh, you know, and push forward. 
Once the, these patients are on opioids or come off of them, are they allowed to take anything else as far as like medicine, like psych meds or anything like that yeah. to help? They are okay. Yeah, we we have you know, uh, whereas I I uh, you know I I don't test myself with alcohol, um, right? But you know I'll quickly admit I take Wellbutrin every day. You mm-hmm. know, to keep my so yeah. I mean, there's still a place for that. Um, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's, and, and you also have to realize that there is a entire practice of what we call uh, medically assisted treatment that's out there, oh, yeah. you know, where folks are right. getting some medicine to replace sure. you know, some of that medicine, you know, everything from methadone oh. to suboxone. Kind to of weaning them off the, the yeah. higher amounts. Yeah. Okay. And so that's out there as, as a, as a protocol and as a path. Um, in fact, it's actually the gold standard when it comes to our folks at SAMHSA on how to treat uh, mm-hmm. substance use disorder. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, w- what you're lighting up in your brain and with whatever the substance is, you know, your brain gets to the place where it really likes it. And then, but once you've taken the path of, you know, uh, getting away from it for a while and your brain has started to heal up, it, it, it is still susceptible. If I would reintroduce that, you know, that substance again, mm-hmm. um, you know, often you'll hear that, you know, someone's, man, he hadn't had a drink for 10 years. And, and then suddenly when he did have a drink, he didn't just have a cocktail at dinner. I mean, he went, where where he left off right right. yeah um i had another thing with the the access of the opioids is the number or the 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 um is it easier to access opioids in montgomery county now Hmm. compared to five years ago or is it much less it's much less less. okay i mean we're we're very fortunate here in ohio to have something called ors which is Mm -hmm. um you know it's a pharmaceutical tracking because we had a lot of doctor shopping that went on early in the opioid epidemic Um, and so that, that's helped. Uh, we're also seeing physicians being much more responsible, uh, both oh, yeah. in the ER as well as, you know, in, in private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where the things have switched, you know, we had such a rise in heroin and black tar heroin use and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that has now shifted to where what we have now are poly, it's really a poly substance problem these days. So fentanyl which you've probably heard about mm-hmm. it's in just about everything and so 92 uh, percent of the overdoses that happened in in our particular in the united states in 19 in 2018 were poly substance in nature so that means i was taking you know i might have been you know uh, taking cocaine but there were other things on board and and so that's what we're seeing today and you know you're you're seeing pills be manufactured that are all fentanyl we've got a brand new thing on the street called iso which has been around for a minute that's the street name it was a it was a drug for chronic pain but uh it's starting to you know find its way onto the street as well so jeez well i, I kind of want to chime in kind of on uh you know kind of what where we could come in because you know there's yeah, professionals sure. in different ways to help with you said you know like uh issues affiliated with social pain emotional pain but Maybe get into the physical pain, um, you know, we're as, as chiropractors and as a, you know, a full medical office, we provided a lot of different pain relief type therapy without the use of drugs. And a lot of people we've, I've dealt with, I know Dr. Julie has as well, have had a history of use of opioids or whether it's an abusive state or not, maybe they had a, they have chronic hip pain they can't get rid of and they constantly receive, they need an X amount of Vicodin on a daily basis. And I've had plenty of patients that way. Mm-hmm. We try to do things to, not necessarily our goal is to get them off the medication, but if there's a way to naturally diminish that pain. Manage. Which manage it, yes, Mm -hmm. is a better term. That's where we come in. So our practice really is 
that's kind of where it's really driven um, is to, we don't, you know, we don't provide obviously opioids, opioids to patients or things like that, but, and there is a time and place. I understand that. But what we do is through chiropractic, through physical therapy, through, you know, conservative measures, we're able to really improve someone's quality of life. And that's kind of like what, that's how we can help, I guess, the small sliver of the problem to, to help eradicate this problem um, is where we come in. So, and I think a lot of people with chiropractic, um, if they have not have experienced it and you're having, having chronic pain, you know, it's my absolute recommendation to at the very least give it a shot. Um, it, it is non-invasive. It's extremely effective. It's been around for well over a hundred years. So that's kind of like and affordable too. And, very affordable. That. and covered by insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, it just depends on the kind of pain, but from the physical pain and the opioid aspect, we do everything we can to go down a different road, I guess. No. And I, I think one of the, the key factors, we, we even put this in the, uh, the recovery Ohio reporting is, uh, advancing the conversation around alternatives to pain mm-hmm. management, like what you guys do. Um, you know, I was just, you know, ironically, I was just with somebody at breakfast in Cincinnati today that her son who was dealing with some of these issues, uh, responded well to Reiki. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so, okay, I've got an, another folks, uh, several other folks that, um, acupuncture mm-hmm. has been a, an effective way. So yeah, most certainly, uh, Chiropractic uh, care is, um, for my wife in particular, she sees her chiropractor once a week. She Mm -hmm. has all kinds of issues with her neck, and and he's a lifesaver, man. I mean, that's how she deals with all of her pain. So Mm -hmm. It's great to hear. Absolutely. Nothing. This has been extremely informative for me. Yeah, I've learned quite a bit. (laughs) I'm very, very pleased for sure. Hopefully, any of you listening will find this informative, and if there's help that needs to be uh, accessed. Um, obviously he provided a lot of good links, good websites, good first steps that need to be taken. Um, any final statements, anything else, anyone else want to say? Or? No, um, don't, don't, uh, don't ever be ashamed to ask for help. I would just encourage you. There's a lot of help to be had. The perception out there is that, uh, you know, that, that that doesn't exist, but I, I can give you one last stat. Um, we kind of estimate that in the United States, we have about 20 million people that suffer from some level of addiction or substance use disorder. But we have 23 and a half million or more that are in recovery. And so the, the big message is recovery is possible. It's accessible. And, uh, and there's an awful lot of really great people, both in the traditional, you know, category as well as the faith category mm-hmm. that are here, willing, ready, educated, and connected to help you get better. Awesome. Well, extremely well-spoken, very informative. Thank you thank very you. much for being on the show. Yeah, thank with you us. for coming. It was my pleasure, guys. That. What a, what a treat for me. And thank you all. To, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, and again, make sure to subscribe for uh, all future podcasts that we will uh, put up. Uh, have everyone have a great day. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you.